Hi everyone, it's Charles here from the GHFC and today I'm going to be sharing with you the final story in our series of 10, each one having represented the career paths taken by my fellow students having completed their initial tertiary qualifications in quarry engineering way back in the early 1980s. It's important that I point out that these reflections simply serve as a point of reference for everyone, not just those in the engineering sector, to fully appreciate that although you may embark on a set career path in your late teens or early 20s, it does not have to be life-defining. What is most important is the ability to take stock of where you're at, ask yourself, are you being fulfilled, and then make the necessary adjustment, adjustments to suit. That's exactly what these 10 people have done. And as you'll hear, life has worked out pretty well for them all. Now, previously we've heard from Andrew in Devon, Andy in Northumberland, Bernie in North Wales, Charlie from Berkshire, Chris from Cornwall, Ian in Yorkshire, Malcolm from Scotland, Paul from Birmingham and Rod from Surrey. So today in our final story, we're going to hear from Stuart, originally from Kent, with what always seemed to be, uh, to me, to be a South London accent. As such, for narration purposes, you can imagine he sounds not dissimilar to Del Boy of Only Fools and Horses fame, as portrayed by the legendary David Jason. Well, my route to Doncaster and the big bad world beyond started in Canterbury, Kent, on my 16th birthday. There I was on my way to my new job with Canterbury Precision Engineering, part of the Brett Group, as an apprentice fitter turner on my brand new Fizzy, uh, being a Yamaha FS1E 50cc moped, purchased for £275 if memory serves. What could be better? As part of my apprenticeship, I obtained an ONC in mechanical engineering, as well as quite a few life lessons. After 18 months of my apprenticeship, a me-shaped hole opened up in the project and engineering office of Brett Gravel, and I slotted in nicely. I thought there were better prospects working in the engineering office than working on laves and milling mills, which proved to be right, as soon I was offered the opportunity to do the DDQ at High Melton. Like all the other DDQ students of my intake, I took to some subjects and there were some that did not inspire me at all, but that was all part of the big picture and a great lesson for the future. It taught me that if you don't enjoy what you are doing or are not any good at it, find something else that you do enjoy and that you are good at, as it makes work and life a lot more fulfilling and enjoyable. And during the breaks from High Melton, it was back to the office to earn my keep, working on quarry layouts, plant designs and stock surveys. In those days, it was a three-man job to do a full survey, one on the pole, one on the handwritten record sheet, and the qualified surveyor on Theodolite, calling out the numbers. Ah, oh, the good old days. Well, maybe, or maybe not. Anyway, three years later, after countless kebabs and numerous pints, a lot of good times, and a stay in hospital, I had my DDQ certificate. So what next? 
Well, off to Leeds for the one-year BSc top-up course. That time seemed to fly by, and before I knew it, I was back to work as assistant manager at Faversham Quarry. This was followed by management roles at various quarries across Kent, ending up with three sites, including Shelford, which was a large sand quarry that was to be filled with millions of tonnes of household and commercial waste. And so I became a landfill manager. There was a lot of profit in landfill at that time, and my role included all aspects of operations, engineering and commercial which suited me nicely. In 1990, after a few years at Shelford, an internal job application came along, for which I applied for, however was not selected. As a result, I decided my ongoing career path lay elsewhere. I applied for and was offered a role with Hills Aggregates in Swindon, running their landfill sites. After a short while, I took on board the Waste Collection Division as well. And then, in 1993, I was appointed a Director of Hills, Minerals and Waste. I enjoyed the role immensely. However, after six years, I made a decision to leave and moved back to Kent as a self-employed management contractor, working for Brett Waste Management. By this time, the guy who got the role I applied for back in 1990, albeit unsuccessfully, had been given the push for being somewhat less than useless. After six months working as a contractor for Brett Waste, I was employed as operations manager and then 18 months later appointed as operations director. The main functions of my role were to improve the profitability of the waste management business by developing potential operational opportunities, including a 7 megawatt waste to energy gasification plant, waste processing and recycling units, and most of all, ensuring that Brett Waste Management was ready for sale to a large national player. Of course, this last bit being in complete secrecy at that time. Well, it all worked out very well. Brett's received a, a huge check from Virador for their waste management business. I got a nice thank you and a goodbye speech from Chairman Mr. Bill Brett, as I was part of the package for Virador, along with a very nice bonus. So everybody was happy. As Virador had all the directors they needed, I was asked if I would go up to Manchester and stay in a hotel for six weeks to work on their bid for the Greater Manchester Private Finance Initiative, or PFI, waste contract. This was a 25-year, £3.2 billion contract to develop and manage all the infrastructure, staff and technology solutions for Greater Manchester's waste. There was a core team of four of us from Virador and more consultants than you could shake a stick at. What a headache that was. But three years later, having successfully won the contract, I returned to work in Kent. I took on the role of area, then regional manager, covering all the waste processing operations in the southeast. Again, I had found a job I enjoyed. It turns out sorting and processing waste is right up my street. 
My sites included Crayford Materials Recycling Facility, the biggest materials recovery facility, or MRF, in Europe, which Viridor had recently bought for the princely sum of £87 million. The first thing I did when I arrived at Crayford was to check that all handguns and baseball bats had been removed from my office. Luckily, they had. By then, I had a team of 600 working for me, many of which were Polish, uh, working on the picking lines in the MRFs. One thing can be said without doubt about most of the Polish guys and girls is they don't mind working and working hard. After 12 years with Viridor and changes in senior management, business direction and philosophy, I decided to take a good package and six months off to see what and where I wanted to go next. Well, the six months flew by and I decided to go self-employed and part-time, uh, uh, to which I took a role as project manager for, yes, you guessed it, the Brett Group. This time around, I worked with a development team on a large quarry and inert landfill planning application north of London and latterly on a contract bid for the rail delivered tunnel and station box cuttings for the London section of the High Speed 2 HS2 railway project. Having won the contract, I'm now project managing the delivery of the HS2 rail and operating infrastructure for the development at the cliff site uh, on the Thames. So what do I take from all the above? Well, simply that quarry and waste industries are relatively small. So when you change jobs, try, if you can, to leave on good terms, as you will no doubt have dealings with previous employers and colleagues for a second or even possibly a third time. And lastly, whatever job you do, be the one that knows the difference between shit and chocolate cake as there are a lot of people out there that don't and that will make you eminently more employable and promotable. Good on you. That's a fantastic story. Thanks Stuart and uh, uh, told in your own in inimitable style. So I've got to look out for the uh, the chocolate cake now. All right, so, so there we have it, Stuart's recollections of the past 40 years. I hope you have gained some insights and added value from Stuart, along, of course, with our other nine storytellers. Uh, and as always, many, many thanks for listening. I would like to just take this opportunity to thank Andrew, Andy, Bernie, Chris, Ian, Malcolm, Paul, Rod and Stuart for sharing their inspirational stories uh, during this series of 10 in the hope that a combined total of 400 years experience benefits the students of today. And should you or someone you know be showing signs of anxiety, then please do contact the following organisations, the Black Dog Institute, Beyond Blue, Gotcha for Life, Lifeline, Sane Australia, Are You OK? or Headspace. They all have wonderful uh, web websites full of amazing information. All right, well, until next time and a whole new series, um, all the best and do stay mentally well. Charles at the GHFC.